Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. We are less than one week away from Selection Sunday at the time that my partner, Gus Kearns, myself, Mike Randall, are recording this podcast. We are less than a week away from the bracket reveal for the 2018 NCAA tournament. And boy, this may be the longest podcast of all time, right, partner? Listeners, I'm so sorry. We have so much jammed up for this podcast. Let's just call this the Two Commute Podcast. It might take you two commutes to get through this podcast. Let's just get right to business. Let's give the listeners exactly what they want. March is here, and people are dancing, and people have punched their tickets. And things have become nuts already. We had incredible games. We had incredible upsets performances the last three days unbelievable let's get right to it Gus there are five teams that have punched their ticket to the 2017 2018 NCAA tournament we're going to start with the Ohio Valley Conference that was the one from Saturday congratulations to Murray State Racers who beat Belmont in the Ohio Valley Championship they are in the NCAA tournament the Racers were 14 and 2 this year they won the regular season title by one game over Belmont only played Belmont once this year, Gus. They lost 79-72 on the road. They are led by Jonathan Stark, the senior guard. He was Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year. 42% from three, 89% from the line. Senior forward Terrell Miller, 14.8 points per game, eight rebounds. He was also first-team all-conference with Stark. And freshman Ja Morant, 12.6 points per game. Murray State Racers, Gus, they're in the tournament from the Ohio Valley. All right, listen, you knew one of these teams was going to get in from the Ohio Valley, right? We were hoping for uh, preseason, I think, over the summer. We championed uh, Belmont and said, like, this might be one of the representatives that you might want to pay attention to moving forward to in March. But either one of these teams are totally fine as far as the representative for the Ohio Valley. And you know what I'm going to say about Jonathan Stark and Murray State? Jonathan Stark's a stud. When we bring up best players in the country— I don't think it's crazy that you mention Jonathan Stark's name. Jonathan Stark averaged over 20 points a game. Jonathan Stark shot over 45% from the field. He shot almost 89% from the line. He shot almost 42% from three. The guy is a stud. He is just another great guard that has come out of Murray State. I don't think there's any reason why you shouldn't pay attention to and think twice thrice about taking them when you see them who they're bracketed up against in march i have no problem with you taking the racers and stark this game is exactly what you hoped for this final in this particular conference you had uh the two best teams playing each other and murray state and the racers are the representative awesome couple things to note here uh, freshman John Morant had a triple-double in December against Eastern Illinois. He's a talented player. Mm. Can't believe he's a freshman. Yeah. Murray State lost at home to Auburn, 81-77, and they led with under four minutes to go in that game. That's when Auburn was was fully loaded in that team. In that game. They, 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 played a, they played a pretty aggressive schedule early on. Lost at home to Middle Tennessee State by five. They are 53rd in adjusted offensive efficiency and 83rd in adjusted defensive efficiency, as per Kempom, of course. They, they are, Gus, 10th in the nation in defending the three-point shot. So that is very important. If they have a first-round matchup against a three-point dependent team, that's Great definitely point. something to watch. 
And they shoot 37.3% from three themselves, which ranks 63rd in the country. Not too shabby. Listen, if you're going to shoot almost 38% from three, like then that's an, something to pay attention to. That's probably going to travel. And their offensive and defensive efficiencies with Ken Palm are right in line with what you would want to pick an upset team. So I think if you're taking a look and seeing if, uh, let's say they get matched up against, I don't know, who's a great three-point shooting team? Let's just take UCLA from last year. If they were matched up against UCLA from last year, I think it would be worth paying attention to Murray State. Yeah. Hey, Gus, I'm going to be objective. Suppose they played Michigan. Wow, really? You know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? And listen, I, I, I think I think Mo Wagner is playing so well as a big. I don't know if they have anybody match up with him. I think that would be the defining factor in that game. But yeah, I get you. I, I think if you have a team that's going to jack up twenty threes a game, and they're going to defend it really well and get out to the three point line and like scatter, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Second team that qualified the Big South Conference. Congratulations, Radford. The Radford Highlanders defeated Liberty in the Big South Championship. Freshman Carly Jones buzzer beating three made it 55-52. Big win for Radford there in the big dance as well. Radford was second in the Big South. They were 12-6 and this year. They were one game behind UNC Asheville, who was upset by Liberty in the semifinals. This game was at Radford because these games are at the higher seed. Kind of, Gus, I guess a lot of American East-ish, you know what I mean, where they go to the yeah. higher seed. And, and, and you know what? I, I like that they reward I agree. the yes. regular season team success in the conference tournament. And plus, like, you want that gym packed, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Totally, totally agree. They had beaten Liberty twice during the season, but the games were very close. Radford was picked seventh in the Big South preseason polls, and they finished as the two seed. Radford, your Big South champion. Crazy. And this is why we play the games, people. The fact that, like, a team like Radford is picked seventh, the fact that a team like Tennessee is picked you know, in double digits, the fact that a team like Auburn, uh, you know, is picked way down and like throw Radford right into that conversation. It's really cool that we can. Inc- this is why March is great, because we can include a team like Radford in the similar conversation with Tennessee, a nationally ranked team. That is insane. And by the way, Carly Jones, freshman of the year in the conference, totally balled out all year. And he had his moment. And you love that a guy like him is going to come back and continue to make Radford uh, an issue moving forward. He's going to be one of those players that is going to be highlighted, whether they are in a playing game in Dayton or as a 16 seed somewhere else. Like he's going to be one of those 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 players that's championed. Like I hope Carly Jones has another moment and he puts up double digits in whatever game he plays in March. Congratulations to Radford. Notes of interest for Radford. Ed Polite Jr., he's their go-to guy. He was first team all Big uh, South. Their head coach- uh, uh, my, my daughter, Elena, loves Ed Polite Jr. Oh, yes, right. Loves, he's Pol- yes, loves. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Head, Jones, my, uh, head coach Mike Jones, he was coach of the year. Like you said, Carleek Jones was conference freshman of the year. A couple things on their schedule. They played Ohio right. State, Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech, Nevada, and San Francisco all on the road. They were losses, mm-hmm. but they right. really played people. They followed a three-game conference losing streak and now have won seven in a row to end the season, so they're hot. They do a very nice job rebounding. Offensive rebounds, they're 64th in offensive rebounding percentage, and they also will turn you over. They're 71st, which isn't bad, with 20.2 forced turnovers per game. So Radford going to do some nice things potentially in the NCAA tournament. You know what? I think that they might get slotted in that 16-16 game. So if you're picking a team there, like they're going to control pace. They're going to get some extra possessions with their offensive rebounding. They are an excellent offensive rebounding team for a mid-major. And they will press you and will 
pressure you and force you into some untimely turnovers, just like you said with that turnover possession. So they are going to get some extra possessions. So if you're looking to like wager on a 16-16 game, it might be worth take, paying attention to Rafford. I would like to wager if my wife hasn't kicked me out of the house for emptying the bank on Wichita State today, but we'll save that to the end. Very good. The Missouri Valley Conference, Gus. We have the Loyola Chicago Ramblers. They're right. in the tournament thanks to a 65-49 very comfortable win over Illinois State. This is a dangerous, dangerous mid-major team. Ramblers were regular season champs by four games. They dominated the conference, and now they're going to go in the NCAA basically as this the mid-major gust that no one, no large school wants to see at all. Well, let's just let's just take uh, let's just take a couple things here. Number one, when we talked to Brad Evans, what did he say about this very team? He did, yeah. He he said nobody wants to see them. And what did they do when they went to Florida early this year on the road? Yeah. Yep. One outright. And let's also pay attention to they are now fully healthy. Early on in the season when they took on a couple of losses, their backcourt was not completely healthy. Yep. Now they have Custard completely healthy, Towns, Richardson, Ingram. Everybody is on board. They got everybody up to snuff. So now this is a team where they're at full strength and nobody is on the bench and they, nobody has a question mark next to their name. So I am with you on this team. I think a number of people are going to be on board with this and be on board with them as like a, a trendy 13-12 or, uh, I don't know, maybe even 11-seed upset. Loyola Chicago, Gus, will be the team that the Sharps pick as the upset. Your yeah. average person, my mother, those type of people, are not picking Loyola Chicago in a right. 5-12 game. They're not picking a hyphenated team. But if you're one of the Sharps, you're one of the guys in Vegas, this is where you're hammering the money. God help the 5-seed. If Loyola Chicago is a 12. Yeah. God you help them right now. Picture the like, six seed that was UMass a couple of years ago or the five seed that was Minnesota a couple of years ago. Like that seed is doomed against this team. I'm totally with you. A couple notes on them. You mentioned it. Cluster was the Missouri Valley player of the year. They did win at Florida by six. You talked about that huge win. Why did they win there? They are incredibly good. In adjusted defensive efficiency, they are 31st in the nation, and they are great from three-point range. They're shooting 40.1% as a team, which is 13th in the country. So let's put it this way, partner. They play great defense, and they shoot yep. the three well. That's pretty much the schematic for a dangerous, dangerous team that no big school wants to see. They are the small school mid-major version of UVA. Let's just call it what it is. Like nobody wants to play them. Downs, nobody, green, nobody's really scared of them, green, right? Wide but, body balance, inbounds with 0.9 seconds. I got it. Don't worry about it. We got to play. <laughs> we got to play. Can't run the baseline. What play do we play? Do we do when he's not supposed to run the baseline? What? The, and by the way, for the for the record, that hunter shot us. You know who was guarding him? Dang Adele. <laughs> we're going to attack Dang-Dell. the pl- – what play do we attack the player who just traveled on the – I mean, it's just I can't take it. I'm sorry. I cut you off. I apologize. Right. No, 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 no. It's a good conversation. Uh, pl- uh, uh, let, let's move on. That, that's <laughs> sorry. fantastic. I apologize. A uh, team that qualified partner, Atlantic Sun. Listen, I, I, did, did you – I watched this game. Did you see this game? I mean, we do have families at times. This, this, this was insane. This was insane. Uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit, I had a, a twirling expedition to go to today <laughs> for my older daughter, and I had uh, for my younger baller daughter. We had uh, basketball evaluations, but we did get back in time to see this and tune in. I had to wrestle the remote control away because we had the loud house on, 
I said, girls, we need to change the channel right, right, to watch right. the finals of the Atlantic Sun. So please continue. Well, let's compare that to what happened in my house. After Wichita State didn't cover, Gus, I broke the gate that protects my three-year-old son from going down the stairs. Sure, sure the, st- the stair gate. Yeah. I slammed my hand off the gate, shattering the gate. By the way, that so, went over well. So you're going to have to do some spackling as well. I, I did. I, I actually did something where I reversed it. It actually worked, thank God. So there was okay. silence in my house. And then I go, eh, I'm going to put this game on. You know, uh, Florida Gulf Coast was down 32. And then everything went back to normal. So the, I, I broke the gate. I did. Uh, anyway, Florida Gulf Coast, the, the Limscombe Bison make their first ever NCAA tournament. Atlantic Sun champs defeat Florida Gulf Coast in what was the game of the day. First, uh, first half partner, Limscombe was flying. They were attacking the basket. It seemed like they had the ball at half court and were breaking on every single possession. What was the halftime score? 60 to 31? Something they, like that? They they put up 60, and then if you look at the final score of that Cincinnati-Wichita State game, like, they put up 61 and 62, right? Like, so you're like, what in the world is going on in the Atlantic Sun? Um, so I'm in the process of divorcing Wichita State, so I can't really comment on that right now. Fair, fair, fair. Keep quiet. And then, of course, Florida Gulf Coast partner, Brandon Goodwin and Zach Johnson combined for – now, it's going to say in the box score from three, they combined for 15 of 27 – Partner, I can tell you, at one point, they were like 14 of 20. So, like, that that cooled off. Okay, right, right. That percentage is, is cooled off. They were on fire. I mean, pulling up, I don't even know what to say. It, this was an incredible game of Balancesto. They lived up to their name of Dunk City. No, were there dunks like galore in this? No. But did they absolutely go full court press for every single possession and force turnover after turnover. They made Lipscomb so uncomfortable on the offensive end. It was like disturbing to watch. It's like you questioned if the if the Lipscomb players were Division One players at that point. Like you were like, can't you just like dribble, shoot, and like run an offensive play? I I, I didn't get it. So kudos to both teams. This is exactly what you want in March. I mean, we we championed the Florida Gulf Coast pretty much all season. And I mean, you had them beating Xavier uh, in your in your March Madness. Gus, I, Gus I, I was so mad because I'm watching this game, yeah. and I am more confident than ever in the second half. If Florida Gulf Coast gets out of this game, hell hath no fury like Dunk City. I'm sitting there going, please get out of this game. One, because it's the underdog, right? They're coming back. Right. Okay, so right, right. But secondly, they are flammable. And I was so wanted them to move on. But unfortunately, or fortunately for Limscombe, they yeah. were able to pull it out. No, no. And they got within five. And, and what else do you want if you're down plus 30? Like five, bring it within five and make it live. Like, part, that, that's ex- that's exactly what they did. Partner five with a three-pointer that went baba. So I yeah. really will say like two and a half. Here are the right. notes I got on him. Florida Gulf right. Coast was a giant killer. They had the profile. You mentioned that about Xavier. Limscombe, different profile. 23-9 and nine overall. 10-4 in conference. Mm-hmm. Finished behind Florida Gulf Coast. They were second. 81.7 points per game. They want to run. It's When you score 60 points and a half, you want to run. They were a good mm-hmm. rebounding team. They're 25th nat- nationally in rebounds per game. So Limscombe does get up there. They got some athletic guys. 
They lost at Alabama. They went to Texas and lost. They lost at Tennessee and at Purdue. But they did beat Belmont twice, home and away. They right. won at Navy. Not easy. And then they did win at Florida Gulf Coast in the regular season. So they do have some ability to travel. Of course, the key is Garrison Matthews, junior guard. Right. He goes as they go. Gus, he had four 30-point games and dropped 43 against Kennesaw State this year. One last thing on Limpscomb. Do you know where Limpscomb's head coach coached under previous to his head coaching position? Oh, I do not. This is wonderful. I don't. Belmont and Rick Burke. Ah, very good. Very so good. if you're talking offensive efficiency, guess where he learned it from? He learned yeah. it from one of the best offensive minds from Belmont and Coach Bird. So this this result is crazy, but is not completely off the radar, and it does make sense. You know the Lipscomb is going to be really off offensively efficient because they have they run the, almost the exact same offense that Belmont runs, and they run some of the same sets. And you know how efficient Belmont is offensively. Gus, I have to take a moment here before we get to the fifth team. I'm a little verklempt. I, I, I tear up when I talk about this team because I feel like they finally they came through. Big Ted Conference Championship. Michigan Wolverines complete a back-to-back two years in a row. Big Ten Tournament Championship by winning their fourth game in four nights, which I did not think they could do, partner. I no, did, I, said I, didn't th- I didn't think so either. I, and it wasn't – listen, people are killing me on Randall Rand Twitter. Uh, follow the podcast at SDS Podcast, myself at Randall Rand, and Gus at Currents 12 People are killing me. How dare you, somebody wrote, jump off the bandwagon. Guys, I have loved Michigan. I, you know, just, are they supposed to win seven games in seven nights? The, what the statement was, which I put on Twitter, which, which Gus liked as well – I just think it's too much. If this right. game was tomorrow night, I would have been all about Michigan. I love the matchup, but I thought it was too much. I feel, Gus, like this was Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, me and you. I think we got like a draw. So you clearly were right. Oh, okay, okay, right, right. Okay, I, I, you between were, the two of us. All right, you, right. You I don't were, know if you're going to game or between the two of us. No, right. no, no, no. I, you were clearly right. right that Purdue was better than Michigan in the regular season. Clearly. They, they had a better record. They finished higher in the conference. And they beat them twice. That's it. But I do feel like I was able to at least be exonerated with Michigan again getting hot at the end of the year. And I will tell you this has to do with B-line. Michigan is hot right now. They rarely shoot two games in a row poorly. They had the tough game against Iowa, right? But they were able to get hot and escape from there. And that's they're, why they were terrible that first half. They right, were right, terrible. Right. They were terrible. Right. And, and listen, I'll, I'll say this now. Gus, last year they made that run, right? The plane crashed in D.C. Then they made the run. They won the Big Ten. But then what happened in the opening round last year? They play Oklahoma State and they win by one. So this is not to say that they're steamrolling to the Elite Eight right now. But I'm saying they're dangerous because they're playing better defense. I think, by the way, they're ninth in defensive efficiency as per Kempom. I'm shocked by that. But I'm just Uh, don't be shocked due to their pace of play. They 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 do that by design. Yes, but they're 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 rebounding better. I would say now Livers got hurt in this game, but the key to me, man, is Beeline. Remember, Beeline took over in 2007 because after Amaker left, Amaker hadn't reached the NCAA tournament for like six years. They had that Ed Martin scandal, the whole thing with Weber, everybody, whatever that was, right? But then since Beeline has taken over, I just want to run through this quickly. They rarely have an early exit. And that's what I'm looking for when we talk about this over the next week. We talk about like who's going to get upset. It's going to be hard for me not put Michigan through. 2011 NCAA tournament, they finished fourth in the Big Ten, and they went to the round of 32. Played very well, went to the round of 32. 
Then 2012, next year, they did lose in the first round. This is the only time that was that to um, was that to uh, that good Ohio team. Excellent, well done. The Ohio team, by the way, Gus, that went to the Sweet 16. So yeah, that's yeah, fine. they made the Sweet 16 that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They okay. they were uh, 13 and five in the Big Ten. They good. They got upset. Okay, but since then, 2013, oh, they went to the NCAA finals. 2014, oh, they went to the NCAA lead eight. 2015 didn't make the didn't make the tournament. 2016 they beat Tulsa in the first round, so they right. actually didn't win the first four. And then they lost a very close game, and they were up late in that game because the play-in winner always right. Gets that, hot. that that was when they were in the play-in game, right? Yep. And they played ND, who ended up going to the Elite Eight. So they right. did okay. win one game there. Right. Then 2017 last year, the Sweet 16. And so, and and literally, like you mentioned, like bada or babang, like they're a baba or badang. Like going to the lead eight. That's correct. That's they almost beat Oregon. That's correct. Walton right. got the yeah. shot. That's exactly right. So right. I feel he's an excellent coach. Gus, I, you know me. Maybe I overvalue coaches. It, it is certainly possible. I love that. The, I just don't think you can put a price on experience and, and a talented X and O guy like John Beeline. He got this team ready. He knew exactly what to do. These kids are not going out of New York late at night. He's probably standing in the hallway like Belichick hiring somebody <laughs> with the fire alarm. <laughs> The guy and and you are gonna get put him against Matt Painter. I'm sorry, three times is not the charm. The only reason I didn't like him is because I did think us that four games in a row was too too tough. But I will say this, partner. Yeah, I think the Vince Edwards injury did did really change this because he oh. he was hurt. He was absolutely hurt. He was he made mention of it in the post game against Penn State, and he was hurt in this game, no doubt. Yeah, there's a reason he didn't come back in during crunch time when they got it down to single digits. Yeah, he like was. He took, he took him out. He did not bring him back in. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things to pay attention to with this particular game. Number one, it's hard to beat a time three times. Uh, hard to beat a team three times in one season. Like obviously illustrated here. Number two, when one of your top two, let's let's just call it top two players, is not going to be 100. percent Also very tough. And then you know the other thing too. I I I, I think I'm going to include this in my like March evaluations of teams. What happens when a team just gets a little stale? What happens when they don't have like that new blood in their lineup for the postseason? That big guy came in and made, did some damage, made some shots. Oh, te- oh Teske. Yeah, Teske. Yep. Yeah, Teske. Teske, he, he was very impactful in this particular game and, and the last couple of games during the season. You have Poole coming in that can make some shots. I know he didn't have an impactful game here. And then they're also bringing a former starter, Duncan Robinson, off the bench as well. I really think that this team has eight or nine players that can make a difference, make a shot, and make a difference in the game. I kind of like this team moving forward with what the way that they're playing now. They have like that new blood. They're not stale. They have some new integral parts that we 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 were not aware of like early on and as always, Coach Beeline develops these guys, puts them in su- successful positions, makes sure that they are in positions on the floor where they're going to find success on the offensive, defensive end. He does this every single year, and this year is this year is not an anomaly. He did the exact same thing again. And one of those guys that you mentioned, like Levers, is 
another one of those players who you want to see him and hopefully he gets back healthy because he, I feel like he was just starting to boom for them. So if he can come back and be healthy, I think this team is an unbelievable team to pay attention to moving forward. Two things here on the long layoff. First of all, yeah. uh, three things really, sorry. Beeline dismissed the long layoff. He doesn't want to hear about it. I love it. There are two players who need yeah, this. Lay- like, like, like go, go, go on a fishing trip or something, right? Right. He doesn't care. He said there's many teams right. that have had a long layoff and done well. He's right. probably right. right. I'm not challenging Coach Beeline. Vincent Edwards and Livers need this break. Purdue. Totally. I don't. Th- and by the way, this kid. I think it's Noel Eastern. Noel. Noel Eastern, maybe the freshman guard for Purdue. He's played very. very I was very impressed by him. I so he's a little herky-jerky with a jump shot, but I think he's unbelievably active. He's a bench player. I, I mean, really like him. I mean, how many guys – you know I like the bench. Him and Harms, that's enough. That, that's, yeah. that's more than enough. Yeah, seven-man seven rotation. I'm good with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Purdue, for me right now, because we're not going to see him play again, they're not going to get upset early. I think their floor is high. Okay? You right. Imagine not playing them and seeing Isaac Huss. Who, by the way, is playing for what do you have? Twenty three points in this game. Playing fantastic again. So let's assume Vince Edwards is healthy. Carson. How, Edwards- about, how about this? Not seeing him or Carson Edwards. Well, Carson. Like, Edwards- how, how are you going to replicate Carson Edwards in practice? Carson Edwards is going to find his way onto an NBA roster. That's all there is to it. I, oh, I, yeah. I, he's just a, he's a winner. He's got that gene. He's got the Jeter gene. The kid's great. So Carson Edwards is going to run the show. They have a great point guard. Haas is a legitimate threat inside, which is tremendous. Let's assume Vincent Edwards is healthy and gives his normal 11, 7, 7, or whatever he does. Right, uh, right, right. But Matthias for, for – Efficient, efficient. Matthias for three. They have – my issue is, is Matt Painter winning the Sweet 16 game against Team X? Th- that is really my question. Great point. Yeah, and I don't know the answer. I mean, maybe he is. We'll see what the brackets are. That's my only concern. And as for Michigan, two of the quick notes, nine wins in a row for them since the loss yep. at Northwestern on February 6th. We did a podcast that day. I was so right. down on them. You were yeah. totally befuddled. They've gone nine in a row. Michigan, again, I mentioned, lost to Oklahoma State. Almost lost to Oklahoma State. 7-10 game, 9-2-9-1 last year after winning the Big, yeah. Big Ten tournament title. So right. I'm praying for them, but let's see the matchups. That's all I got to say. Here are my two things on on both of these teams. Number one, love the new blood that Michigan has infused into their lineup, into their rotation. And you hope that the Purdue staleness can be overcome by the layoff. And this layoff with a new Big Ten-like tournament situation might be a blessing in disguise for a team like Purdue that's trying to solve a few injury problems. All right, partner, let's get to some other games here. You got a few you want to talk about? I think uh, Duke-UNC, something like that. Did they play? Yeah, you know, like, you know, rivalry week or something like that, right? Listeners, what we'll do is we'll give you a little rundown of, like, what happened on Saturday because Saturday was a, a, a monumental day in college basketball. So we'll just try to give you the best rundown that we can give you for those games, not necessarily give you the scores, but then also give you a couple of, like, talking points off of each one of those games. And, of course, we're going to start with UNC Duke. Number nine, UNC loses to number five, Duke, 64-74. The interesting part of this is that it's a tale of two halves. UNC's up early. And then Duke and Bagley come back and put up almost 50 points in the second half here. Bagley only had three at the half and came back for a 21-15 and 15 game. I guess he's healthy. I guess he's good too, right? Two questions here. Will UNC fall prey to their usual traditional strength? A talented big and usually UNC like is the you know predator there as far as the uh, unusual traditional talented big and is the zone and defensive effort and team result for Duke for real like it, it is this sustainable 
is this a thing that's going to be replicatable over and over and over again for this Duke team? And if they leave Duval on the bench, can they deal with Grayson Allen turning the ball over six times? Mike, this was an awesome game. It was a great game for a number of reasons. You love that it was live the whole entire time, and you love that Duke came back, and and, and Bagley was as, was incredible as and impactful as he was. Um, what'd you take from this game, folks? If you're watching this game, you can't tell me to explain defense. It, listen, if Syracuse Syracuse plays a zone, Gus, right? They do it all year long, and it takes Bayheim all year to teach the intricacies of where they're supposed to be. Rotation, this, yes. skip passes, right, right. I right. refuse to believe that Coach Shevsky, and listen, you want Mikey objective, this is what you're getting. He does not have a track record of taking a freshman dominant team to a deep run in the tournament. He doesn't have that record. They have not been playing well this year. Bagley's been in and out with the injury. He got hurt again in this game. I'm not sure if he's totally healthy. And they moved to the move to zone for Duke reminds me of when Rocky switched to Southpaw or the karate kid does the crane move. It's desperation. My rationale is this. Can this Gus get them through a couple games? Maybe. But you are not going to beat a high-quality team. They're not so much better than everyone else. They can just arbitrarily change defenses halfway through the year. And now all of a sudden, they're not defenses. They're five trees that are hanging around. He's going 2-2-1 back to zone. North Carolina picked it apart in the first half. I don't know why they did. Because as we talked about, who does North Carolina struggle with? Teams with large athletic bigs. I was right. flabbergasted. This year, yeah. They were dominating them. They, they can't foul, so they can't play man, and they switched his own out of desperation. They're home, so, on, they're home on senior night. This should have been a comfortable win. It, instead, it was a lucky, panicked win where North Carolina started missing the foul line jumpers. There wasn't tremendous defensive pressure. Cincinnati today that was in everybody's grill on Wichita State on the handoff, the dribble handoff, one and done, box out. Half these guys, guys are not boxing out because it's his own. So I do still think, I still think this is not defense, bro. This is Duke being really big and really athletic. And I just don't see them making a final four unless they have a miracle, miracle draw. Shashevsky has... You know, Coach Beheim on the USA basketball staff for a reason. It's for defensive reasons. It's for if he needs to crack his own or bring out his own. So maybe he actually paid attention to Coach Beheim and said, like, oh, I might thief this from you at some point. That makes sense. Now, are they playing well in it? Yes. You mentioned the sustainability of it. I don't know. I th- That's to be determined. That's TBA. And I agree with you that UNC actually found the crevice and the crease in it at the nail and, you know, near the elbows and missed a whole bunch of those opportunities. Yeah, bro. It, was, I, it wasn't yeah, that they were yeah. pressured, right? Like, right, I right. Underst- like, so they had opportunities yes, at that spot, yeah, right? Yes, that's, they're right. not, they're not yeah. denying Luke May the ball and forcing a Kenny Williams 27-foot three. This right. was, well, that went in the first half. Well, that yeah. went in the first half. Oh, Bagley. And listen, Bagley rebounds like an animal. Okay, I get uh, it. He's a tremendous rebounder. Don't get me wrong. Rebounds out of his space. He's really, both, both he and Carter rebound out of, his, out of their space. It, I guess part I'm saying this. Ready? Yeah. If you told me, take away the name and take away the coach. You have a team 
with a lot of highly touted freshmen that have to fit into defined roles, right? You have a senior who certainly had some questionable character issues coming into this year. Mm. They were playing man. They weren't playing well enough. They switched his zone halfway through. They took their five-star guard who they tried to make a point guard and put him on the bench. Now they really don't have a point guard. Is that the blueprint of a team that's going to the Final Four? And if I didn't tell you the coach was Krzyzewski, you'd probably say no. You're, pro- you're, you're 100% right. And here's the other caveat, and then we'll end on this. How about Cam Johnson or Joel Berry makes another three each? This is a different game? Yeah. Totally yeah. different game. I like North Carolina. I think they showed a lot in this game. It doesn't bother me about the loss. It's in Cameron. It's senior night. People are fired up. I, uh, you know, they, I, it's just a tough, I think North Carolina comes out of this one fine. I'm not worried about them. I'm not very worried about them either. I really like their lineup, but I do think they did get exposed. If they get matched up in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 yes. With, yes. with a really talented big, excellent. I think that's something to pay attention well to. Done. So if you're looking at your matchups, that's what you do. We got to talk about the number one team in the country, right? Down no- the screen. Back. Notre Dame is totally game and plays this game live until the last minute, but loses at UVA 57-62. So UVA gets the win. UVA wins again. Guess what? Bonzi's back. 37 minutes, 24 points, 15 boards. I'm curious. I'm unbelievably curious. What is the committee going to do with this ND team? They're a top 25 team with both Farrell and Bonzi in the lineup. With them out of action for so long this season, what did they decide to do with them? Kyle Guy gets injured, up 11, and then this game gets a little saucy. Matt Farrell has to shoot better on the road if this ND team is going to beat the number one team in the country. Of course, this speaks to UVA's commitment to the perimeter defense, closing out on threes. We're still okay with UVA as the number one overall seed, the number one team in the country. I think the big question coming from this game is, what do we do with Notre Dame in March? Are we putting them in? Are we not putting them in? We like what we see from Bonzi so far. What do, what do we do with this team? You know, partner, how you say that teams only have a certain amount of efforts. It's one of the great – you said so many great things. I, I you know, But this one was at the top for me. Teams only have a certain amount of efforts, right? This is my problem with Virginia. Are you telling me – that you're that confident in Ty Jerome, Devin Hall, Isaiah Wilkins, Hunter, and Kyle Guy, that they're going to be able to continue to produce offense for the four consecutive wins they're going to need to do to get to the Final Four. And that is the question here. Listen, Kyle Guy got hurt. This game is probably a blowout, hypothetically speaking. If we used my bookie and we bet this game minus three and a half, we didn't want Kyle Guy to go out. But anyway. Nicely played. Uh, uh, but... Guy goes out, it does change the game, but they're very, very sensitive. You know, they don't have a deep bench like a Michigan State. And taking a player out when you're a defensive-minded team, that hurts you a hundred times more than taking a player out if you're TCU, right? Because everyone's got a guy that can shoot it off the bench. Everyone's got a kid who dropped 50 in high school. But not every team, and most don't, have a guy who knows where to be on all the defensive matchups and the positioning like Kyle and, Guy does. And and can close out on a three. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. It, that's what you need. I think, partner, Notre Dame's in. I think they're in. Good. I, I think Good. they got to win a couple games in the, in the ACC tournament, but I think they will. This really showed me a lot. Bonzi Colson, you mentioned, was incredible. 
I don't think Martinez Gebbin can have 14 and 10 on the road against the number one team in the country. That, that can't happen. I'm sorry. If that's what you're doing, then what's Terrell Miller of Murray State going to do against you? I, I don't, <laughs> that, that really bothers me. It's a nice win for UVA because they didn't have Kyle Guy. But when Guy goes out, you said it, partner. Matt Farrell's got to make some shots. I mean, listen, Matt, I know you guard guarded by Devin Hall. I get that. You got to hit some shots, man. And he will. I believe he will. New Jersey mm-hmm. represent. I believe right. he will. I think Notre Dame's going to get in. I don't think this is a big disaster for UVA. It was a nice win. Guy's got to get healthy. But this one to me, Notre Dame gets in. They're a team nobody wants to play. And Virginia, you sure you're confident in them making the Final Four as a one seed? Ah, not after this game, Martinez Gavin. I don't know about that. Two takeaways from this. Number one, really hope Notre Dame gets in. I want to see Bonzi Colson have just a moment in the tournament. I think that'd be really awesome. Number two, you mentioned, do you think that those guys can do it for four games? Yes, I do. I think they can do it for four games. I don't think they can do it for six. Okay. All right. That's How's fair. that? That's fair. Yeah. Is that fair? Sure. I, I, I think it's not crazy if you're going to take UVA and put them into your final four. I believe that they can effort for those two pockets of two games. Like put those two games together on the first weekend, put those two games together on the second weekend. I think they can do that, but as far as winning six games, I don't think that's a I don't think it's a realistic possibility. If you're picking UVA as your national title winner, I think your bracket may be flawed. UVA Michigan Elite Eight, who are you taking right now? UVA Michigan? Assuming guys healthy. Man, I might lean Michigan. That's the game. And that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. the game they're going to have to get past. Right. They're, they're, like, they're going to have to play that 4-5 yes. team that gets yes. through. That's it. Right. That Flor- right. Florida last year, that sort right. of thing. Yes. You know, ever since we started this podcast, we've been doing SDS lines. People keep tweeting us and emailing us. They want to know advice. They want to know who we bet on, what we're betting on. But most importantly, they want to know where we're betting. Well, let me tell you this. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I always tell people to go to the site that I go to, which is mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in this business for years. Their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses. So right off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. You put in $100, they give you $100. You put in $500, they give you $500. They have the fastest payouts in the business with 48-hour processing. When you win, you get paid. You guys know who's going to win, right? You know these spreads. You have feelings on these games. We'll lay down some cash and win big today. We wouldn't recommend this to any of the listeners if we didn't do it ourselves and we didn't like it and think it was a reputable site, and it certainly is. It's been good to me, and it can be great to you. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie.ag. They have in-game wagering, live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use the promo code SDS. That's right. Use the promo code SDS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag. Let's hit the Big East. Big East definitely has a change in circumstance and landscape. Xavier wins 65-62 at DePaul. Typical Xavier win, winning close games. Atypical Xavier winning the Big East regular season title and dethroning Villanova. We know that your training tells us that Xavier might be the number one seed that drops to a 16 seed. But how are you feeling about Xavier now? 
Do you feel like them winning the regular season Big East tournament? Uh, I'm sorry, regular season Big East title is going to sway you and not have them lose to a 16 seed coming in? And are you going to champion them winning close game after close game after close game and not dropping any of these games like every other team in the country? Are you asking if I'm going to praise them for winning at DePaul by a couple points? No, I'm not. And that's why they're going out early. I'm just not buying it. I said they were going to win the, the Big East. I, I called it in my preseason. We got a lot of preseason stuff, right? Those predictions. We'll do that when the year's over, you and I. I'm not buying it as Xavier. Trayvon Blewett, phenomenal player. Phenomenal player. Uh, great player. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. NBA player. Great. First team All-American. I'm fine with it. Great. Fantastic. Now, here comes the rest. They're 6-22 from three-point range against a terrible DePaul team that ranks 283rd against defending the three-point shot. It's a great stat. DePaul averages, their opponents average 49% from the field. DePaul, Xavier shot, 42%. They're a very good offensive team. Chris Mack is a phenomenal coach. But they're overly reliant on Blewett, who is not a guy who can continuously beat you off the dribble in the half court. And you how, how, how about this? He's not Aaron Holiday. Oh, who I think, by the way. I'll tell you, one of my biggest mistakes this year. <laughs> we can have a whole pot on Randall's mistakes. Wait, wait. Aaron Holiday is phenomenal. <laughs> way incredible. Big whiff. Big whiffer on that one. Love Aaron Holiday. My next montage this week, Gus, I may have you see on the Final Four. I love Aaron Holiday so much. Boy, was I wrong. Anyway. Blewett is not going to be off dribble. That's not a negative on Trayvon Blewett. No, 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 not at all. No. But he's averaging 19 points per game. Makura is averaging 12, but he's not a one-on-one guy. And Karim Cantor is their third-leading scorer, and he's averaging 15 minutes per game. I like Quentin Gooden. I I think he's solid. Nine points, three rebounds, five assists. That's great. The assist-to-turnover ratio that you always talk about, partner, it's about two to one. It's not great. I mean, I know Monte Morris spoiled us. It was like seven to one or whatever. It was fine. (laughs) But let's look at some defensive numbers for Xavier. Okay. And then I'm done, partner. Their offensive adjusted efficiency as per Ken Palm is seventh. Phenomenal. Their defensive efficiency, 73rd. Okay. Not not great. And on the road, man, it's a lot worse than that. Their defense, their turnovers, they only force 15.9 turnovers per game. That's 312th. So their defense is within the arc, but they don't force turnovers, which means a, a low-seeded team can feel real comfortable nestling in there against Xavier because they don't force, force a lot of turnovers. Their free throw percentage is very good, 78.5%. Very it's, good. It, very good. It's really the defense. And I've seen Blewett get a little spotty, and when he does, this team is in trouble. I think, Gus, that they could definitely lose. It depends on who they're going to play. Am I putting Xavier through to my Final Four? Absolutely not. Oh, man. I know, I and you have them. You I, have them, right? Yes. I might have take lock and try to find That's a way okay. to That's okay. Trust me, my friend. I I, how many times have I been wrong? <laughs> but I, right now, if you're asking me, I just can't see putting them in that far. I can't. Obviously, this is completely matchup dependent, and, and, and we have a whole Big East tournament to play in Madison Square Garden. So – by no means are, are is my mind made up on like where they're going to finish and how they're going to do in March and so on and so on. But if we just go back in, in recent history, I mean, they did make the Elite Eight last year as an 11 seed. They've been living in the Sweet 16 every other year as is as a program. So 
is this the year they finally break through and make that Final Four? Like we, we you know, we put Chris Mack and, and Sean Miller on these lists of like best coaches never to make the Final Four. Is this year? I don't know. Maybe this is the year. I don't know. Maybe they get a good. Maybe maybe things break right in their bracket. I don't know, but I do agree. Here are the two things to worry about. Number one, who's their secondary score? Number two. Their uh, assist to turnover ratio, not ideal. And number three, their deficient, uh, their uh, effective uh, defensive, uh, defensive efficiency number, a little too high for my liking as far as picking a Final Four team. So I'm with you on all three of those things. So great points on your part. Um, you want to skip down to another team that is kind of like driving you crazy all year in Kansas. Are you okay with that? Yeah, we've come to uh, we've come to a conclusion here. I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm over it. Like we we had mediation. Okay, we got through it. I did win one game. I didn't win this one, by the way, Gus, and I didn't win it with second half wagering either. Okay, but it's fine. I like you know we're fine with Kansas and I right now. It's fine, Billy. All right, so number six, Kansas, totally gets drubbed at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State wins it, eighty-two to sixty-four. Coach Self says after the game, like quote, kind of quote, we don't strike fear anyone. Like, we don't scare anybody. I, I think this is a clever move moving forward in March and for the Big 12 tournament. Do you put in Oklahoma State or do you put in Notre Dame? And uh, I feel like this Kansas result, like, mirrors the Nevada and Middle Tennessee result where they had the regular season title in hand. They were playing on the road versus a desperate team. And the usual urgency that they play with was absent with all three of these, like, title-winning squads. So... I guess uh, let's start with uh, where are you with Kansas and would you put Oklahoma State in over Notre Dame and like where are you at with that? Oklahoma State's 8-10 and 10 in conference, 18-13 and 13 overall, and they've been right. pretty healthy for most of the year. No, I would not put them in over Notre Dame. I would not. And I don't like teams getting in over those strong mid-majors when right. they're under 500 in the conference, but I don't think the pool of mid-majors this year is as deep as, as it's been in other years. Great point. That's an excellent point. Are there some stud mid-major teams? Yes. But is there a you know plethora of amazing mid-major teams that are in the running? No, there's not. You're totally right. Right. Like, for example, Murray State beat Belmont. Let's say Belmont was the top team in the conference. They weren't getting a bid. You no know, way. and there's been years when nope. that's not when there's been years when Belmont's like twenty six and three, right? And you can make an argument that you get, and you can't make that argument this year. Not so this I'm, year. I'm fine with both. As for Kansas, I do discount this game, Gus. Many reasons, like you said, didn't really matter to Kansas. And you, you know, you talked about this Nevada, Middle Tennessee. There was a bunch of teams that gagged it here and really didn't play well in games that didn't matter, quite frankly, to them. Right. The the one thing that they could have played for here was Bill Self not getting swept by a Big 12 opponent, which has never happened. It finally has. Oklahoma State. Good, good point. Hard to see Sveen Mihailik really caring about that. You know what I mean? I mean you know, so I, I don't know that's really going to get them up. They just held up the trophy, you know, Big 12 championship, and now, well, we got to keep Coach Self's streak alive. He just got in the, he got in the Hall of Fame, yeah, right? They, he just got in the Hall of Fame. They have, but, you know, they have no interest in that. Zero. <laughs> really quick, as far as Devontae Graham, Listen, if you want to give him Big 12 play here, I'm fine with that. I am. He really has come on strong here second half, and, and Trey Young has dropped off a little. I don't get how he's unanimous. I really don't. Trey Young is still leading the country in points and assists, doesn't even get a vote. I, I mean, you know, they are keying on him, folks, and he's still doing that. I just want to point that out. Bill Self said he's going to have his jersey retired. I, I mean, I think this is a bit much. 
Halfway through the year, Svee Mihailik was the most valuable Kansas Jayhawk. And if you don't agree, you're just not paying attention. Because Svee Mihailik was outscoring him. Graham had a lot of four and three and five point games. He's come on lately. He's put him on his back. The West Virginia game, Gus, was fantastic. I have no problem with him getting it. But the idea that he's a slam dunk unanimous person is odd to me. And listen, I still think Frank Mason's a heck of a lot better. Let's see how Devontae Graham does in the tournament. But I'll tell you this. If you think he's dropping 20 every game, look at his box scores. There's going to be yep. a game partner in those first two games where Devontae Graham has six points. You can take that one to the bank. And when that happens, and Azubuki's in foul trouble, they had a little bit off the bench in this game, which I like. Uh, D'Souza, those guys start scoring. I like that a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. But if he doesn't pick it up and people finally realize Fima Hilek's a weeble, okay, and Graham is off his game as he usually is once every three games – Let's see if he's Frank Mason. Frank Mason took that team to the Elite Eight, and he had a fantastic game, by the way, against Purdue, and they still couldn't pull it out. But it's not because of Frank Mason. So if they end up losing in the third round to whoever, you know, to, gosh, pick a team. They lose in the, in the third round to North Carolina, or they lose in the third round to Michigan. You know what? And, and Graham drops 28, I'll shut the hell up. But let's take it easy, folks. He's a little bit of a heart rate monitor, and I'm not sure if we're ready to say, here comes Kansas to steamroll to the Final Four. That's all. I know that they have the resume to be a number one seed, but I'm going to say Kansas is as susceptible to a first round or second round upset as Xavier or any other number one seed ever because they are so fallible. I don't think that you can rely totally on their bench. I don't think you can rely totally on their three-point shooting. I don't think that their, you know, efficiency numbers on either end are that like dramatic that you need to like pay attention to them and be like, "Look, this team is studly. This team needs to be put through." No, I think they're flawed just like every other team, and that's why this march is going to be so fun partner, to figure out. Partner, one so more fun thing. to figure out. One more thing. I'm sorry. Let me get you something real quick here. Yeah, shoot. There's a website I found called warrennolan.com. All right. And I just sent a tweet to this guy a couple hours ago. This is a fantastic website. It's got all the teams listed, partner, by right. RPI, by Quadrant 1, Group 1, Group 2 wins, all that stuff that people talk about. They're right there. Just want to right. point something out. If you look on this website at the top 17 teams that he has – their home losses this year, one, 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 three, one. These are the teams that are ranked, right? All right. of a sudden, Kansas is 14 and four. I know we're not going to count the Kansas City. Okay, fine. Good, 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 good. 10 group one, tier one wins, okay? And those are teams. Su- su- such, as, such as life in the Big 12. Right. Those are teams that either you beat at home and are one to 30 in the RPI, mm-hmm. you beat on a neutral court and are one to 50 in the RPI. Or you beat on the road and they're one to seventy-five. They do, me, have- do me do me a favor, just for the listeners out there. Can you repeat that stat? Just so listeners, when they're listening to this stat, like on ESPN or, or CBS or wherever they might be getting their info, repeat that stat so people are educated. Go for it. Yeah. So they have the the, the way they're doing it this year is they want to start on the road, right? The mid major small schools, all that stuff, because these big schools won't play these small schools at home. I mean, at their own home. So they divided the the tiers into to tier one, tier two, two, tier three, tier four wins, basically. Right. But tier one wins are any win that your team got against a team that's ranked one to 30 in the RPI. So it still goes by the RPI. Even though a lot of people hate the RPI, but it goes by the RPI. Right. So you play a team at home that is ranked one to 30 in the RPI 
that counts as a tier one win. What also counts as a tier one win is if you beat somebody who's ranked in the RPI one to 50 on a neutral court, non-conference tournament, Bahamas, whatever. And what also counts as a tier one win is if you beat someone on the road with an RPI of one to 75, basically meaning if you played a team that's the 75th RPI team on the road in their building and won, that's the equivalent of beating the number one RPI team at home. Now, you're going to say it's a little unbalanced, but they're trying, folks. My point is, Gus, they have 10 tier one wins. In those top 17, and I only did 17 because that's what my screen goes down to, the only team that has more tier one wins is North Carolina with 11. I was going to say, is it UNC? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's and UNC. so it, this is one of these, if you look at Kansas's numbers, they won the Big 12, they got the player of the year, they got 10 tier one wins, they look good, right? No, they're, they're non-conference RPI 16, that's very solid. Very good. But why do I just not feel great about them? Because we've seen them be like 29-1 and and lose to Ali Farouk Manesh and lose to Stanford and lose to Wichita State and lose to VCU and lose to Michigan up 12 with two and a half minutes left because Ben McLemore let the game come to him. Do I need to go on? So that's why I'm just not buying Kansas yet. Listeners, you have your information that you need when you fill out your bracket. There it is. Please choose wisely. <laughs> well done, Mike Randall. Well, well done. All right, let's move on to. Uh, you want to move on? To, uh, we'll stay. We'll stay in the Big Twelve. We'll move on to TCU and Texas Tech. Sure. Yeah, I love this one. Really love yeah, this one. Yeah, this is a big game. Hashtag, um, hashtag second half wagering. Oh, <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, well played, young man. Yes, well, yes. So TCU goes to Texas Tech, number twelve in the nation. Texas Tech, and 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 Texas Tech gets a win, seventy nine. 75. This game was was a huge game for both teams. Texas Tech was coming off a four-game losing streak. You know, TCU really needed this game to get another quality win. This is a much-needed get-right game for Texas Tech. And there are two huge, gigantic, like, monumental final four things here for Texas Tech. One, Keenan Evans. Seemed like he was a top 10 player in the nation again and seemed much more like himself in this game. He put up 20-plus points and seemed like he got his act back together and was much healthier. Also, this is not as impactful on the stat sheet, but just as impactful as a team chemistry thing. Senior Zach Smith returned, played 15 minutes, scored six points. This is his second game back. He came back for the Kansas game as well was not as impactful in that game. If the Red Raiders can have these two players be healthy, productive, and in the rotation, then they can win the whole Big 12 tournament and make a run for a Final Four. No doubt. Pay attention to this team. This team might be just returning to form, and this team might be ready to make some noise, even though they're coming off a four-game losing streak prior to this game. Mike, what do you feel about Texas Tech? I don't have much to say because I'm sitting here saying, Preach, Gus! Preach! Give me a little! I agree with everything you just said. This is going to be a 30-second rant, and that's it. Bingo! Zach Smith is back. 
Keenan Evans. This team was a one seed. Evans was, I think he had zero points in the first half, came back second half, loaded up. This team is dangerous. This has the smell of a four seed, three seed, unless they make a big run in the Big 12. I'm all in on Texas Tech. Agree with you 100%. This is going to be an under-the-radar team. Give me a little four-seed Texas Tech against Kansas in the Sweet 16. Up back. Give me that. How about that? That'd be sweet. (laughs) Thank goodness those guys are healthy. You love when a team can get healthy and find their prior success. Love that Texas Tech has that going. Get those guys in the ice bath. Get them healthy for that tournament. Hey, Gus. Gus, uh, When I see TCU this year. Yeah. Why do I see Xavier last year? Really? No. I I see a team. You're kidding. You're kidding me. Well, I see a team that's flashed, right? And I see a team with a solid coach, Chris Mack, Jamie Dixon. I I think they're – I think I can do the Spider-Man point at each other thing. I mean, they're both kind of (laughs) like – you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. I I just – you know. No. 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 I'm – I'm okay. Defense? Defense? No. Is that why? No point guard? Uh, I don't know. Yes and yes. Okay. All right. Fine. That's that's where I was going to go. Oh, fine. Uh, Look, great point. Let's tackle it this way. How about awesome job, TCU, for being relevant in a conference where you have been the doormat for year after year after year? Kudos to TCU for being in the running for making the tournament after after garnering a championship in Madison Square Garden for the NIT. Yeah, sure. Uh, and how about no? I don't see it at all. I think that you're dealing with two different level things right, here. That's fine. Third, okay. I got it. Uh, here, here's why. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna give you my two cents. Why? One, blew it. Difference maker player. I don't know that TCU has a player. I, I love Kendrick Williams. I think he's incredible. If he dies, he dies. No. Right, right, right. Yeah. You're right. I love that he's a silicant. Yes, he's one of our favorite silicants of all time. Um, he is a traditional big man. But no, they don't have that as impactful as a player. They don't have a point guard that is as dynamic as Gooden. Gooden is not like, you know, he's going to go out and score 20, but he's very dynamic athletically. And I know that their defensive numbers are going to look similar on uh, laptops and computers. But if you're going to pay attention to things closely and watch the games, when push comes to shove, Xavier is going to defend in those couple of possessions. So that's my difference maker there. I know where you're going there, but I also want to just totally argue with you there and say, like, no, I don't see it whatsoever. Yeah, you're probably right. Last year, Xavier was 67th in adjusted defensive efficiency as per Ken Palm, and this year, TCU is 107th. Well done. Okay, I withdraw. <laughs> okay, fair. Okay, I love that you did a little research. That was beautiful. Well, going back to the ACC, how about number 18, Clemson, falling on the road at Syracuse, 55-52, the Orange needed this win to remain on the bubble discussion. I, I think they're on the wrong side of the bubble personally. Uh, I, I'm going to put them in the same boat as like Oklahoma State, but below Oklahoma State um, because Oklahoma State has two wins over Kansas, and, and the Orange actually lost to Kansas head-to-head while um, Oklahoma State beat them twice. This is uh, like where Cuse's best win is like a – I don't know. It's like a treasure hunt. Like, they lost to St. Bonnie's. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to UVA twice. They lost to Duke. They lost to UNC. Where's the big win that they're going to hang their hat on and be like, yeah, we should be in the tournament. Put us in. We're, we're here. You know, we're Syracuse. We're traditional. We should be here. I don't think they have it. Whereas Clemson, I, I, I think they just need to regroup. They need to rest up. 
and see if they can find some of that lost mojo, that that positive mojo that they had from earlier on in the season. This might be tough with the limited roster that they have due to injury, but we do hold hope dearly here on Screen the Screener. So let's hope that the Tigers can recapture that previous positive mojo and return to form in the ACC tournament. Mike, where are you at with these two teams? Clemson's going out early. I'm going to knock. I, I, I'll knock them out before I even see the team they're playing in the first round. Here's my thing with Syracuse. 11-2 non-conference, 15th non-conference RPI, 18th non-conference strength of schedule, three tier one wins, three tier two wins. It's close. It's close. I'll tell you this, partner. They're going to want to put Syracuse in. They want to put them in there. They get two wins in the ACC. They're a lock. They get really? one. I think it's frisky. Just something okay. to think about. I feel like currently right now I'm on having them on the outside looking in. If they get one of those wins against one of those teams that we just mentioned that they lost to, then maybe my tune will change. But right now, currently, I think I have them on the outside looking in. Do you want to do like just a double header with the SEC with both Tennessee and Auburn? They both went at home. And they finish for a tie atop the SEC standings. They both have an identical record of 13-5 and five in conference. Um, two of the best players in the conference, Admiral Schofield and Bruce Brown, each had 20-point-plus games in their wins. And they'll probably find themselves somewhere along the SEC all-league team uh, lineup for sure. Mike, will either of these teams compete uh, complete their magical run with an SEC tourney title later this week? And are either one of these teams teams that you're going to be paying attention to in March? Yeah, Tennessee because they rebound well. Auburn's not going to happen. You can't tell me that Auburn all of a sudden after the injuries is now going to shoot well from three on the road. So I'm not buying Auburn winning the SEC. I could see Tennessee. Good, good, I could. Good point. And yeah. if Auburn wins one game in the NCAA tournament, I think they're lucky. Listen, if they were fully loaded and didn't have the injuries, this would be a different story. But I saw them at home. Mrs. Randall and I watched that game against South Carolina. Chris Silva doesn't foul out of that game. There's a chance they lose that game. So South Carolina comes in your building when you have a chance to win the SEC and they can't guard Frank Booker, okay, and they start missing threes at home, they're very they're way too three-point dependent there. I just don't like them on the road. So, no, I don't see them making a big push. I think Tennessee's a dark horse to win the SEC, absolutely. I, I think there's no reason not to love Tennessee simply because, by the way, that they play – they out effort you, they rebound, they execute, they play well on the defensive end. I'm totally with you on Tennessee. Unfortunately, I feel like I'm a little bit there with you with Auburn. I feel like they've just been compromised too much roster-wise, and they're trying to you know, put crazy glue on too many pieces, and at some point that's going to bust. I'm totally with you on that. How about maybe what was the game of the day on Saturday? And this was in the early slate. How about number 20, West Virginia, falling on the road to Texas – a very undermanned Texas team in OT. Texas gets the win, 87-79. It could have been the game of the day. Javon Carter finished regulation with a, like a full-court sprint reverse layup with under two seconds to go to, to tie the game up and send it to overtime. And then Coach Smart had an unbelievably superior call uh, on the out-of-bounds play to get a great look for the win in regulation, then it goes into overtime. And then Texas just out-efforts and out-executes in overtime. Texas does this minus Andrew Jones. He left rest up. Their number one lead guard. Minus Eric Davis Jr., a plus athlete on the wing who often guards the other team's uh, 
most talented offensive player on the wing. And then he's a program vet. Of course, he's been through the system. And they're minus Mo Bamba, a top five NBA draft selection waiting to happen. How in the world did Texas do this? Clemson, Auburn, Nevada, maybe even Texas Tech could put this game in the blueprint of how to uh, how to un how to upset and win in an unlikely scenario with a depleted roster, superior work by the Texas coaching staff. Mike, how did this happen? Same thing. West Virginia on the road is shaky. They go through these patches where they don't score whatsoever, which is why they make me so darn nervous. Texas has a nice profile. Shaka's doing an excellent job. He's going to get a nice new contract there. No Mo Bamba, all the players you said who are out. They're 18 and 13. They're, they got five tier one wins. They got three tier two wins. Their non-conference strength of schedule wasn't great. It was 90th. Their non-conference strength is 49th. I think if they get one win, I think they're squarely in. They could be a playing game type of team. They get two wins, they're comfortably in, and like an 11 seed. Yeah. So great win for Texas. Short Mo Bamba there. The, the committee takes that into account when you have players that are injured. So I, I think Texas is going to be okay. I thought it was just an unbelievable effort on their part. And they've done this a couple times this season where you thought just they, they were left for dead and they come back from the grave and surprise and get a big win. So congratulations. And that's why we watch in March. I mean, kudos to Texas and their coaching staff. And how about number 23, Kentucky? Absolutely getting blown out on the road at Florida. Uh, 80-76. Florida put a, puts up 48 points in the first half and does not look back. Jalen Huston, Hudson continues his special season. He looked like the best player on the floor in this game. Kentucky now has 10 losses. This is worrisome to say the least. Florida now has three straight wins. Chris Gioza now holds the Florida assist record. What an unbelievable player he is, and what an unbelievable career that he's had. This team's so dependent on the three. <sighs> Mike, is this an exciting brand of basketball, shooting so many threes? Or is it just too risky in March? What do you think? No, it's exciting. This is how they did the run last year. Live or die by the three. Teams that get hot can make a run. It's true for Purdue. It's true for Michigan. It's true for Florida. This is the way it is. This is this is life in the tournament. Absolutely. They're comfortable. They have great guards, and they've experienced them last year. Absolutely. I think it's fine. And as for Kentucky, uh, told you so, said what? <laughs> Nicely played. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. I G- think Kentucky no, no. said Gilgis Alexander had six, and Washington <laughs> had four. And then Vanderbilt had seven rebounds in five minutes. And then Quade Green had three. And then Hamadou Diallo, he's coming around. He, he's coming around. Don't worry. He's coming around. He had seven. It's not going to win can in I, March. Can I, can I just bring the listeners full circle here? This is the exact same diatribe and rant that you would go on with UVA last year. Yeah. Exact same. Like nobody can score. Nobody's a stud. They don't have a difference maker. So if listeners, if you're going to take anything from this, take that from Mike's read on Kentucky and comparing it to UVA last year. Gus, Go ahead and put that in the back. Gus, you know Knox? He's going to have 11. <laughs> we're, there it is. we're turning a that, corner. That's all it is. All right. And let's say, uh, Mike, just very quickly, um, both Gonzaga and St. Mary's advance in the WCC tournament. Uh, call me when we're at the finals, right? You almost had to do this podcast solo because I almost – I actually went to my bookie and I saw St. Mary's minus 16 against Pepperdine. Now, the game started at midnight and I ha- – Gus, I had it up there and I almost hit enter and I said – last thought that went through my head, I go, what am I freaking nuts? 
And I hit delete. They won by three. St. Mary's is ridiculous. Gonzaga's fine. They're fine. They're loaded. Rory Tilly, you mentioned the tweet. He's hitting threes now. It's five of five from three. They're fine. Gonzaga's fine. St. Mary's enough. I'm done with them. Yes. Super quickly because I watched uh, both some of both those games. Uh, number one, yes, you're totally correct with St. Mary's. Their pace of play allows other teams to stay in the game. So that, that's exactly what happened there. And then Gonzaga in the second half was like disturbingly good on offense. Like, disturbingly good. You know, Tilly hit a bunch of threes. Hachimori did a whole bunch of very uniquely athletic plays. Uh, Jonathan Williams played great. Again, as long as Perkins decides to take care of the ball and not do too much, they're good. And not only are they good, they could be great. So there's my two cents on that. But call us when we get to the finals. We'll enjoy that later on this week. All right, partners, a couple of the quick ones, and then we'll wrap up here. Although we could go on for hours. Davidson beat Rhode Island on Friday, 63-61. Rhode Island has now dropped back-to-back games, and they've lost three of their last five. They lost at St. Bonaventure, and then they went to tailspin. They won a way-too-close game in overtime at LaSalle by two. They blitzed Dayton at home, congratulations, and won the A-10 title. And then... That title, by the way, which is which is important. It's their first title since the 1980-81 season when they tied Duquesne for a share of the title. Okay, hit but, the rewind button on that one. That's amazing. And but then they lost at home to St. Joe's by 30, and now they lost to Davidson. Listen, Davidson's very good. I'm not arguing that, but only six of 24 from three in this game. They only shoot 34 percent from three as a team. That's awful. EC Matthews, nothing. They were only five of 11 from the free throw line. I don't know what's worse, making five or only taking 11. Gus, what is up with Rhode Island? This is a great question, and I don't know. I, I so want to put this game into the uh, Nevada category, into the Kansas category, into the Middle Tennessee category where they already have everything wrapped up and they're just, like, disinterested. They're, they're done. But at the same time, you have to pay attention to how they're playing. The, the way that they're playing is not the way that they were playing early on in the season. There's not the desperation. There's not that urgency. There's not that edge. So I totally agree with you. Uh, the, the the efficiency on the offensive end isn't there. And then they're giving up, uh, you know, you know this, this game against Davidson. Davidson didn't shoot the lights out like they did earlier against St. Bonnie's. But at the same time, they were in position to win the game, and they went ahead and executed so do we want to throw this into the category of the other games we just mentioned, the other teams we just mentioned, because they have it like locked up already? Or is this something to worry about? You know what I'm going to say? I think now Rhodey has a little something to prove in the A-10 tournament. Whereas before, I think if you hit the rewind button two games, I don't think anybody would pay attention to it. I think they'd be like, oh, yeah, Rhode Island's fine. They're going to get a you know four, five, six seed. We're good. I think now... We need to pay attention to see how they play in this tournament on the big stage, and then we can make up our mind on what they're going to do in March. That's where I'm at with them now. Hey, imagine if Arizona State gets hot, wins a couple games, and they sneak in as a 12 seed and Rhode Island's a 5, and they put Rhode Island against Arizona State for the Hurley Brothers. They would do that, yeah. too. Yeah. I know they don't pay attention to such things, but that'd be, uh, do. that would be awesome. It would be so great. I, I, I wish that would happen, but I have a feeling both those teams won't be in those seed lines. And our last game that we'll talk about here... I have got to be – there's got to be a name for this, that when I jump off the bandwagon, the bandwagon becomes a, a, a steamroll, steamroll truck, okay? Cincinnati goes down to Wichita State, 
and puts forth one of the best defensive performances I've seen all year. Of course, when I made a substantial wager on Wichita State minus one and a half. And they get the win at Wichita State, 62-61. And this was a fantastic game. And I will tell you this. When I told Mrs. Randall that I love Wichita State, her reaction was, oh, that's not a good idea. That's exactly what she said. I should have walked down and bet the the opposite. But I said, no. I'm if that if that's the situation, you, you 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 need to pay attention though. She's been right too many times. It's ridiculous. This was absurd, this game. Wichita State, they had the decibel level meter gus, okay? They're gonna clinch a share of the title in the in the AAC. The fans were packed. They were there since six o'clock the night before. The noisemakers, the whole thing. This was the defensive performance I've waited to see from Cincinnati for over three months. Gus, they were active with their hands. They were getting deflections in the half court. Jacob Evans was stripping people, stripping Marcus McDuffie when they try to cross over in front of him. On the rebounding edge, they would box out one shot and that was it. They were efficient on offense. Evans hit a three. Then Gary Clark had an up and under. Then PJ, then Washington had a put back. Then Kane Broom broke down and kicked outside for three. Their defense in that game was spectacular. Wichita State, I put a tweet out, Gus. I'm done with them. I'm totally done. (laughs) I've had them in the final four. I've had them as the national. I am done. And here's why. They haven't been playing well. You've been saying this. I'm not arguing that you're wrong. I was saying it will come. It will come. I thought it would come with Michigan, and it has. I thought it would come at Wichita State. It has not. And if you go back, I put that on the tweet there. The last few years, seven years, their defensive efficiency as per Kempom first. Has been outstanding. Outstanding. This year, they're over 100. Right. And they're not playing defense. You can't stop Cincinnati at home in your half court. Pathetic. You need a stop. This is not a good offensive team. They should have lost to Temple. Terrible performance by Wichita State. Great job by Cincinnati. I still don't like Gary Clark scores six, and we think he's the best player in the conference. And Jacob Evans scores 13 points, then he disappears on the side of a milk carton for 25 minutes. I do, Cumberland hits a three, okay? It's not – Jennifer doesn't shoot. I don't like that model. But their defense was stifling. This was the team I've liked all year long. This was what I expected to happen. Their offense hasn't come around. Kane Broom's got to play more. But the biggest take for Mike Randall, I am done with Wichita State, which means, partner, they're going to the Final Four. (laughs) (laughs) I have four takes on this game, and then we'll we'll get the listeners out of here on this. because Listeners, again, thank you for giving us a two-commute podcast. We totally appreciate it. Again, if you like what you're listening to, please follow us at SDS Podcast. Uh, please give Mike a follow at Randall Rant. Um, if you're looking for a couple of things of uh, screen the screener and print, go ahead and follow. Uh, go ahead and, and dial up uh, uh, RandallRant.com online. We'd love to for you to interact with uh, us in all those fashions. And if you really like what you're listening to and you'd like to interact with us on email, please email the show. A number of people have. We even got an invite to a listener's uh, a bracket tournament, that which was we're going to enter. We're very excited. Uh, again, thank you, uh, Phil in the Fort. 
uh, we're going to uh, please please hit us up at scs at gmail.com and uh, you really like what you're listening to don't be afraid please dial up Apple Podcasts dial up a review hit five stars on it say nice things about Mike and then we'll give you an ahoy and a shout out on the podcast like we will later on this week we got a couple guys lined up that we need to give a, a thank you to and, and an ahoy to later on this week so Please do that. But, Mike, here are my four points on this. Number one, McDuffie's got to play more minutes. If he's going to play 14 minutes and be a non-factor, then this team is not a Final Four team. Number two, Connor Frankamp has to hit his threes. If he goes over in a game and plays over 20 minutes, he's got to hit his threes. That's why, uh, that's why Wichita State did not win this game because those two things happened. Here are my two takes on, on Cincinnati. Number one. Gary Clark is going to play in the league. Jacob Evans is going to play in the league. Jacob Evans played like a man. Somebody needed to take the shots. Thank goodness he did. Uh, I'm sorry. Gary, when, Gary Clark is playing in what, what league is that? He, he's going to play in the league. and then In the also, National Basketball Association, Gary Clark? He, he might get a cup of coffee, yes. Oh. He might be a G League two-way player guy. And here's the last thing, and I think you'll be in agree, agreement on this. Look, if Cam Broom is going to play tw- almost 30 minutes and have – one turnover and be impactful on the offensive end. The Cincinnati team is good. When we have good Kane Broom, the Cincinnati team is good. When we have like unimpactful and like hesitant and uh, uh, nervous Kane Broom, like we, they're not a good team. So those are my four takeaways on this particular team. If this this type of team, Gus, can make it, we've seen teams with defensive mindsets make it to the Final Four. You know the Wichita State team from a few years ago with Clint Anthony early, right? Yeah. But they need a guy. They need. Who's your, who, who's your stud? Who's your stud? They don't have that. Like they really don't. The Bearcat fans will tell you that Gary Clark. I, it's just enough with this. Like, and it, Jacob Evans was good. He was very good. He really was. Right. But they don't have that, and I, I just, I see a low floor, a low ceiling. But this right. was a defensive performance, superior. Gus, the ball pressure was insane. Good for Mick Cronin. I, I think you owe him a Valentine, by the way. I still like that gif of the girl. I mean, looking at Michigan, I thought that was <laughs> that's, that's a tremendous. Gif you don't have any idea how long it took me to find that, by the way. Any idea? <laughs> Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, please like that. Uh, please like that image. That's a great image. Uh, Mike, anything else for the listeners out there? That's it, partner. I think tomorrow there's no day basketball. There's a day break, but after that, we're going to be rolling. We're going to try to give you a million podcasts this week, folks. I'll definitely do a bracket right. breakdown probably tomorrow night. It'll be up on Tuesday. Gus and I'll be back to you once, maybe twice. Who knows? Gus right. will come to you on Saturday, of course, and then Selection Sunday. We will record a pod that night. It will be our first thing on yes. Monday morning. The absolute best time of the year. What's better than this, man? I have no idea. If you're looking to me to find out what's best than this, like I was running around like a lunatic this weekend with my family. I'm so excited that we get to talk to you guys about some college basketball and you're going to give us part of your week. So listeners out there, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't thank you enough. And uh, I, you know what? We might. I have a little something dialed up. We might go a little mid-major, mid-week this week. Great. How's that? Awesome. Does that sound good for everybody? Can't wait. Uh, all right, listeners, thank you so much. Uh, Mike and I totally appreciate you guys tuning in and giving us part of your week. Uh, Salancha. Gratulatia. Arigato. Cheers. Wichita State, I'm done! <laughs> <laughs>